Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of My Sporting Mind. Just before I introduce our guests, I just want to say a big thank you for all your feedback, reviews and posts that you shared to help spread the word. It really means a lot to us. We want to show that we can have an open conversation around mental health, whatever that might look like for you. Now, today I'm very pleased to welcome Watford goalkeeper Ben Foster. Welcome along. Um, I thought we'd better get recording because we've just spent about 15 minutes talking about cycling. <laughs> but anyway, how's it all been going? And has this given you a little bit more time to get more into cycling and train? Because I know that you're a big, um, it's your big love, right? Yeah, it has. It's got me into it massively. Um, it's, if, if, that, if that would have been possible in the first place, because I've always loved my cycling. As I've got older, football has been, um, it's good. I love my football. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it. I, I love playing on a Saturday, that buzz and the adrenaline, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, as I've got older, the cycling really has kind of started to take over for me and I've really gotten into it. Yeah, talk, talking of, the, I mean, obviously you still love football and I mean, it's your job as well. And it's coming in, this is your 19th season. How do you maintain that love and motivation? Um, it's for, like I say, for me, it's, it's all about the Saturday, that match day buzz, that kind of, when that whistle goes on three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and the adrenaline kicks in and, and you know that it really means something, you know, because me as a person, I'm a very competitive person. I, I love to push myself and I love to, I love to just be the best I can be at whatever I choose to be. So if I want to do something, no matter what it is, I will choose to do that the best way I can possibly do it, whether it is football, whether it's cycling. Um, so yeah, the Saturday afternoon is, is key for me. It's absolutely huge. I've had a lot of injuries in my career. So the training, day-to-day -day sort of training is, I, I don't really enjoy it to be perfect, just because it hurts. Do you know what I mean? My knees, like my hips, my bloody elbows, all that kind of stuff, it just hurts. Um, but yeah, when you get that adrenaline buzz on a Saturday afternoon, you just don't feel those aches and pains. Do you know what I mean? You can, I just feel I can jump a bit higher. I can dive a bit further and um, I really do. I'd live for it still, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I can imagine that I'm a real adrenaline junkie as well. Um, but on that, are you finding that at the moment? It's not I wasn't going to ask you this, but I'm just curious no. because no. you're talking about the adrenaline of a match day. Like, well, it can't no. really be there right now, is it? It's not, it's not the same at all. It's complete. It's, it's, it's almost like every game seems to feel a little bit sort of like a training session. It's weird because I remember when we first got back after lockdown, the first few games, honestly, I'm not, it sounds, it sound weird, but honestly, like if, if a goal went in, I would honestly just be thinking, oh, well, not the end of the world. And then it's not until after the game, you kind of see it all in the news and Watford have lost or won or drawn. And then you think, oh, oh good job that we won that or good job that we, do you know what I mean? It just, at that moment in time though, because you haven't got the reaction from the crowd, yeah. you haven't got, you can't see it written all over their faces because they're the guys who live for it. So they, they live their week for the weekend, do you know what I mean? They work, they go to work, they live everything around that weekend, go into the football, that's their release, you know what I mean? That's how they get rid of all their stresses and frustrations, that's how they do it, and they haven't got that anymore, and it's it's so hard to kind of gauge the feeling when they're not there. Because mm. ultimately it is for the fans really anyway, isn't it? Yeah, the, well, what this football is, without or what sport it, without it? If, if ever, if ever we didn't sort of value the fans before, um, this has genuinely shown exactly how important fans are to football and every other sport as well. They, they, they mean everything. You know that just having that reaction and you, you feeling of nerves that you get, you get so much more nervous. Honestly, on a match day when the fans are there. At the minute, I'm, I'm going out and I'm thinking. Mm. It's, it's a weird feeling. So you've got to create it for yourself and, and that's a skill in itself, I think. Yeah, because you must need the nerves to be able to mentally sharpen and prepare yourself. How are you managing to cope with that then? 
Yeah, you need a little bit of nerves. I think you, you've got to be able to harness those nerves and use them yeah. in a positive way. Um, I think obviously if nerves take over, then you're in trouble. But a little bit of butterflies is a good thing to have. It's a really good feeling. And me, as an experienced player, an experienced goalkeeper, I've been there, kind of seen it and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm, I'm very good at doing that. But that's only... That's only through sort of not, I wouldn't say trial and error, it's through learning, it's through mm. through speaking to people that are in the game, sports psychologists, all that kind of stuff, and learning how to harness that and use that in a positive way. I suppose it must be quite a unique position to play goalkeeper because you're not running around the pitch all the time. You know, can you hear fans both on a positive and a negative? Yeah, you can hear everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> absolutely everything, honestly. You can hear, it's amazing how... Um, when when you're playing with a, fa- a crowd and you've got all the fans there, you can hear out of 10,000 people that might be behind you go, you could hear one fan say the worst thing. And I've heard some of the worst things you've ever heard in your life said to me. And I can turn around and I can actually pinpoint the bloke that said it. And I'm thinking, oh, but it's something that you learn to sort of live with. And I've learned as I've got older that this is their stress release. This is their kind of blow it off. It's not right. And I disagree with it. And there's kids in the crowd. And I don't think it's a good thing that people are allowed to do that. But you need to understand also that this is how fans relieve themselves on a Saturday afternoon. But then how do you cope with it, especially when you were younger? Because, yeah, you are a season's pro now, but you're still a human being. and You're still, you know, I, I, I think it's impossible to completely block it out. It's, um, I, I've got, I'm, I'm very good at it now because I know for a fact I will not see that bloke ever again in my life or woman, whoever it could be. I'll never see that person again. And they're just doing what they need to do to, like say, release some stress, but also try and get in my head a little bit. So I've, I've learned as I've got older to just try and even have a laugh with it. Do you know what I mean? If somebody, if somebody comes up with something constructive that's clever and demeaning in the same time, <laughs> it's like, I'll, I'll honestly turn around and go, very good, very good. That's one of the best ones I've heard, mate. Something like that, do you know what I mean? Just to try and lighten the mood a little bit. Because I think if you, if you let them know and let, them show, let it show that you're, yeah. it's getting in your head, it, they will just feed off that. And they can feed off it and they'll make it worse for you as well. Has that happened when you were younger? For sure, for sure. Like I remember, you know, obviously I played at United when I was younger and mm. that kind of stuff. And for me, Man United was... It, it did, obviously didn't work out for me and it was a really sort of low point in my career because of I just didn't know how to deal with the stresses and strains that, that came with playing for the biggest club in the world. You know, nobody ever taught me. You know, I've got, I've got coaches, I've got goalie coaches, I've got gym coaches, a manager, all coaching my football ability and my technical ability. But I had nobody coaching my mental ability. And for me, the mental ability, the mental side of football and life is half the battle. If you can, if you can work on your mental ability and, 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 and that, as much as you work on your, your technical ability, your gym work, all that kind of stuff, you could make yourself a super player. Um, so yeah, I, I, that for me, like I say, it was a massive low point in my career, but it's the best learning experience I've ever, ever had in my life because I left there, I joined Birmingham City. I'd already been in contact with a sports psychologist whilst I was at Man United. And I continued the meetings. We spoke about stuff. We got through stuff and I learned and he taught me and showed me. And then I learned to do it for myself, um, how to overcome those things and not let the negative thoughts come in. You can, it's OK letting them come in it, but it's just you need to know what to do with them. So on that, when you look back to because what were you about 22 when you yeah, went to Man United? Yeah. yeah, I'm so young. And I think as a fan, we sometimes forget when we're watching football players actually how young they are when they step away from that pitch if we saw them say just walking down the street when you look back now you said that you you know worked through it with a 
psychologist, a sports psychologist, what's the biggest change and what are the biggest things that you did learn from when you look back in your mindset back then? Yeah, I think for me, the, as you grow older, you learn to just be comfortable in your own skin. And I think that is the best thing that I, any advice I can give to any young player, any person, even away from football, is to just be comfortable in your own skin. Everybody makes mistakes. And even back then, I remember I'd make mistakes and I'd always try and blame somebody else or blame something else. Or, you know what I mean? I was always just trying to, it's almost like every day I would put a mask on and come into the training ground and it was... As soon as I got out of my car, mask would go on and it's a different version of me. And it was just hard work. Do you know what I mean? I imagine doing that all your life. And there's people that still do it now and, and it must be hard work. And it got yeah, to a point exhausting. where it was just too tiring for me. So I had to learn to just be comfortable in my own skin. I am what I am. I know my limitations. I know my capabilities. And that's it. I live my life like that. And I know I'm a, I know I'm a decent bloke. I'm a nice person. And if somebody doesn't like me for whatever reason, then that's not my problem. I know it isn't my problem. It's something they've got. They've got a problem with something in their life that they need to try and you know get it out of their system so you need to deal with that mate but I know it's not me and and on that one on that note I mean I, I can relate to that in a way about putting a mask on because sometimes I feel like you've got you feel like you've got to kind of paint this smile on even though inside you're like really don't remotely feel like that at all and I know you've mentioned about you know you had a low self-esteem when you went to Man United I mean I think a lot of us that maybe have followed your career know when that you talked about oh my gosh why why have they signed me like am I actually good enough um how have you worked through your own self-esteem have you got any I don't know tips or things that might help people because I think it's really to me I think it's one of the biggest things that holds us back yeah it's like it just comes back to just knowing your own self-worth and like I say, as long as you know you're a good a good person, like do the nice things, have time for people, be respectful to people, all that kind of stuff. Because, like, uh, to be fair, my my up, up, upbringing was brilliant. You know, I've got a mum and dad, and they're very. My dad's like he's such a lovely bloke. Like he's he's just a real nice, down to earth bloke. So I've had a good role model to start with. You know what I mean? The the basics are there. Um, just set in, in motion from my parents, my, my brothers and sisters, great people, same sort of ilk as well. Um, so I've got the, the sort of grounding to start with. But as you get older, like I say, you just you just need to learn to just be happy with who you are and what you've got and not be jealous of other people and want what you can't have and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's just a waste of energy. Just enjoy the people around you, your family, all that kind of stuff, the people that want to be around you and don't try and crave the stuff that it's just crap really do you know what I mean because there is there's so much crap in the age of Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff where people just show off 24 7 and it's just the highlight reel of the biggest load of bull crap that you know what I mean it's just devil it really is I think it's an absolute devil it can be used in a good way but I think for for young people who don't know how to use it in a good way it's, it can be a problem yeah it's like that comparison thing because you're actually comparing yourself to something that isn't real anyway because a lot of what's put out there um you know what social media has cropped up so much in this podcast I mean I remember Justin Langer really talking about it and he was like look the one thing I would say is for a young a young person not to engage in it in that way um you know I, like how do you cope with that or how do you, would you say to younger players or just actually younger people out there or anybody because I think we have a habit of scrolling through because our lives so much are on social media 
yeah it's the the it's it's their life honestly kids nowadays they live their life on social media that is where that's where they have their social interactions now they don't have the social interactions like we probably used to do where you would be down the park or in the pub or all that kind of they do it on instagram and twitter and it's not real it's complete crap like we, we play games now like we'll finish a game on a saturday afternoon and we might have a couple of lads in our team or a 19 20 21 no joke right no joke the second they get in from the changing room into the changing room the first thing they do is they'll put their phone up and they are straight on Twitter. They're not checking their text messages from their friends and families and loved ones to see who actually exactly, matter. Who <laughs> actually matter, whose opinion you should listen to. Yeah. Saying, well done, you did well, or you did this, or blah. They're not looking at their friends and family. They're looking at people they've probably never met before, probably will never meet before. And that will have a bigger bearing on their mood going forward for the rest of that day, for the rest of that week, for the rest of their life than the people that actually matter. So listen to your managers, your coaches, listen to your friends, family, husband, wife, father, the people who have got no kind of um, motive. Do you know what I mean? They've got no reason to lie to you or sugarcoat stuff. They'll tell you exactly how it is. They're the people that matter. Yeah, and they'll be there through the bad times exactly. and the good times and like you for who you are. It, it almost reminds me of when you were saying about, you know, when you're stood in goal and people are shouting something to you. I suppose it's the same thing, right? But on Twitter, and I've actually heard that from a lot of different people amongst clubs that a lot of young young players just get straight in, like you were saying, um, and get straight on social media. Um, do you think also that there's um, a disconnect maybe in how players are seen um, in the public as in, or maybe monetized as commodities. Do you feel that young pe young players and young people have to put on that kind of show? Yeah, but, but the problem we've got though is that the the actual footballers are doing that as well though. Do you know what I mean? There's so many players, like I said earlier about the mask thing. I know for a fact that 80, 90%, maybe more, are doing the same thing every single day, even now, even at Watford FC. They get out the car, they've got a different mask on, they've got this footballer mask, this big ego, do you know what I mean? Because you've got, to, you've got to bear in mind as well, footballers, if you think about it, They've always been the best player on their team. So even when they were at school, they were the best player at their school. Youth team, best player, coming through the ranks, reserves. They've always had people around going, you're the man you are. Oh my God, you're amazing at football. Oh my God, my mate, I was telling them about you're amazing at football. So they've had this. So they've, it's almost like they've built up this, e they've got this ego already. And so they have to continually live this persona of they're the man kind of thing. So I see it even at our place. And I'm, I'm so good at just trying to break them barriers down with the lads and go, lads, it doesn't matter. It's all a load of shit. Do you know what I mean? Just don't listen to it kind of thing. Just do, be happy in yourself kind of thing. And you, you see some of the young lads, I'm trying to like do it with them now and just be like, lads, that's not important. That's not important. You don't need those new trainers. That Everybody else has got them for, a, it's crap. Don't bother with it. It's all crap. And um, it's hard, but you know, it's the way, it's the way we live in nowadays. How damaging though do you think it is for mental health? Huge, 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 huge. Like I say, it must be so tiring. I, I know it's tiring. I've been there myself. Not necessarily on a kind of a showy basis. I'm not trying to be a show, but just the fact that I wasn't comfortable in my own skin and didn't yeah. know really who I was because I was young. I had a lot of emotions running through. I was in a new like club, all that kind of stuff. Um, you'd go home at night and you're just thinking, wow, thank God that day's over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you've got to wake up the next day and do the same sort of thing. And it's just hard work. You know, when, the sooner you can become fully happy with who you are and comfy in your own skin, the better you'll enjoy your life. It's just so much more easier, honestly. Take me as I am, because that's what I am. How do you deal with that stress and pressure then? Because I know that when, what was it like when Watford came in for you? Did you kind of consider maybe just no? Because um, I know that you said you were scared and, you know, do you want to carry on that? 
even at my age now, I'm 37 now. And when I left West Brom, I was 35, maybe 36, 35. And I was so kind of set in my ways and comfortable in my environment. Do you know what I mean? I knew everybody at the club from the top to bottom. And I didn't have to start up a new conversation with anybody. I didn't have to get out, learn who they are or find who they are. So I was almost like, it was so, I was, I was almost becoming a little bit more insular. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, because of that, because of that day to day, I was in a routine. So to actually leave West Brom, I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to have to go and meet a load of new blokes that I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like you get yeah. in this club, you've got to go and work in an office with 25 other people you've never met before. Yeah. And you've got to start building relationships and striking yeah. friendships and stuff. It's tough, isn't it? It's a nervous, daunting task. Yeah, it is, especially because you do feel like you've got to, you know, like we were talking about, there's an element of putting on that mask yeah. because you can't just walk in and be like, oh, yeah, things are crap or I'm just feeling yeah. this or whatever immediately because people will be like... Yeah, what? but I'd say one thing it did teach me, though, I'd say this is one of the best moves of my career, actually, was moving club at that age of my life because... It taught me that it's honestly like I've gotten so good at being that guy now who will go to the new player and go, oh, are you mate? And all that kind of stuff because I've had to do it. And then I've actually learned to quite enjoy it as well. Do you know what I mean? Meeting new people. And I found that I'm very good at just chatting crap. Do you know what I mean? Just being like that filler. Do you know what I mean? The glue guy that kind of. <laughs> I'm a bit like that. <laughs> yeah. That's crap, kind of, and honestly, yeah, that just appeases the environment. <laughs> those guys, you need those people around the place because otherwise it's too quiet. Because, like you say, everyone's just on their phones, <laughs> being <laughs> and I'm like showing all everybody all my new YouTube video, everything. I'm going, lads, come and have a look at this. Look, and they're all, oh, I love it. It's wicked. It's proper. I have become much more social in the last couple of years just because I've had to adapt to that new kind of going and doing something new. Because you are like the senior person, I suppose, when you walk in the changing room. Do you like also being that mentor? I suppose it's kind of shifted. You know, we've just been talking about your days when you were at Man United. You've got a really different role. You know, I'm not just talking on the pitch. I'm talking about when you walk in that changing room now. Yeah, and the thing, like you said there about when I was at United, I never really had anybody that, that came and put an arm around me. Do you know what I mean? I never had somebody that would go, I know you're struggling or... I know this, the gaffer's only said it because of that. He's a dickhead, don't listen to him, all that kind of stuff. I've never had that bloke. So I can see it with the young lads now. We've got young kids and you see them being quiet at a time. And I'll just like, just going over to them, just see how they are. And if they might get dropped for some reason, you might say, he's only doing that because he's rotating or this or that. Why don't you try doing this in training or this in games to make it like a bit easier for yourself? Or I'll be chatting to, we've got like a lad on loan at the minute, James Garner. Like, so just chatting about him, where you're staying, you're moving down with the missus, is she coming down with you as well? What are you doing like when you finish training? Because I remember when I, when I first signed for Watford, like 18 years ago, because I went out on loan for two years. Um, my, she was my girlfriend at the time then. I was coming into training. She quit her uni course up in Manchester to come and live with me down here in Watford. So I would go out to train. She would literally just be sat at home waiting for me, like twiddling her thumbs kind of thing. And then I would get home from training and she'd be like, right, can we go and do something, please? And I'm like, just finished training, I'm knackered, I just want to chill. And it's a massive problem, but people don't understand it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm talking to them going, she needs to do something. She needs to find something. She needs to get a group of friends. She needs to move, uh, have a friend or family or something down here that she can go and do something with herself because that in itself is a massive problem. Do you know what I mean? Especially when you're young, you don't know, you haven't got the emotional intelligence to be able to go, yeah, I'm sorry, darling. I really understand that you're a bit like lost for, lost for like what to do at the minute. 
Um, and it's hard though, isn't it? At that age, you don't know how relationships work properly, but that's another part that people don't really see of footballers. And it's also another thing that we don't address in society. Exactly. We don't teach about healthy relationships. <laughs> no, of course you don't. Exactly, like, especially footballers. Everybody's just yeah. like, oh, you're so lucky with a football. And it's like, what a load of shit is that? That's crap. Yeah. Like, that's nothing to do with it, what their job is. It's about you being on a level like playing field both of you kind of thing you have to both be on a level playing field so when you come home and she's been sat there all day you have to play the game and go and do the part that she wants to do as well because that's how a team works when you're both on the same page and it's that do you think also it's that value of i'm a footballer rather than i'm ben foster yeah that's that do you think that's also the biggest part for me is you need to identify as a person first you can't like, so if somebody says to you, who, if you get grab a football film, but who, who are you? They'll go, I'm a footballer, I'm a professional footballer. And you go, no, wow, you're not. Come on. Yeah. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're a father, you've got a father, you've got this, you that. You, my hobbies are cycling. For my job, I play football. That's what you need to do. And I think that, as you say about young people, but I think that's the problem with players when they retire as well, when they get older. They've spent their whole life identifying yeah. as this footballer. And then the moment, the football finishes what do you identify as do you know what i mean yeah, who are you exactly all of a sudden you're gonna to have to come up with a new you and and that's when you, you start mm. to see some real problems with players who have just retired as well i think a lot of people in general could relate to that in the sense that you know who are you away from whatever title it is that you're given and i think you only then i mean i speak a lot about how um, just because something it's something that i've struggled with in my past before is like putting my value on what it is i achieve yeah yeah but, so then i'm always trying to achieve something I, I, think, I think you'll have a similar mindset to me whereas you're you're very competitive yeah yeah you're very driven so we like we like the same thing with cycling so for me cycling's massive it's the biggest sort of stress reliever ever when i i can go out on my bike for an hour hour and a half that's it and i'll come back and i've got a smile on my face and i'm good to go for the whole day yeah, same Brilliant. You know what I mean? You've earned, you've earned the day already. You know, you're in calorie frigging credit. You can have what you want to eat, drink, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You've let go of all the stress, but I love like, I, I think just having a hobby, something like that is so important because it, it gives you like cycling brilliant because you've got so much stuff to read up on so much new gear to try and look at and buy and frigging wear. And Oh, it's amazing. I love all that. So like, even for me, I, I'm, I'm not a pro cyclist or anything, but I like to make sure I'm getting fitter on the bike. So I'll, I'll look at all my data, my Garmin data, my heart rate data, power data, all that kind of stuff. I love it. Absolutely love it. Just to try and improve, slowly, slowly improve. You know, the cycling thing is nice to hear some, you know, talk so passionately about it. Is that an amazing positive that says come out of all the injuries that you've had? Is that where it came from? Yeah, my, my knees are shot to pieces. They're probably... If, some, if they went inside my knees and looked in now, they'd be like, how are you still playing football? You're in bits. Um, like cartilage has completely gone pretty much in my right knee. Um, but cycling, like so football, I, I will train. So say we've got Saturday, Saturday game. I'll play Saturday. I'll do a warm down Sunday, warm down Monday. I'll train Tuesday, warm down Wednesday, like a chill day. I mean, just stay in the gym or something. Yeah, when I say warm down. So I won't actually go out to the training pitch because otherwise it's just too much stress and strain mm -hmm. for, for my knee. But the cycling, it's almost like it keeps that joint moving. It yeah. keeps all the little muscles strong. Um, bear in mind, like I say, I've done three cruciate ligaments. I've had three cruciate ligament reconstructions. Um, so all those tiny little muscles that fire and look after the joint, they're the ones you need to keep active, keep them strong. And cycling for me works like you wouldn't believe. And I've got to say, since, since I've been into cycling, which is probably a good properly about six, seven, eight years now, um, this last couple of years, the, old, the older I get, they seem, my knees seem to feel as good as I've ever felt. 
And what about for your mind? Again, something that's been talked a lot about on this podcast is how, you know, again, we were just talking about achievements and validation and being competitive. And when you can't play and you've got an injury, it must be such a struggle. Yeah, touch wood, I haven't had an injury for, um, like, I don't think I've missed a league game now for the best part of four years, um, which is... Cycling. It, literally, it's, it's a cycling, because I've even had times where my knee has been so swollen, I'm thinking, wow, there's no way you're going to be able to play. And then I'll get in the pool, I'll get on the bike, I'll just get it moving. And that's what I'm talking about. Just It just gets it moving, kind of thing. Gets all the fluid sort of flushing away, all the little muscles start firing again. Um, and it is though, it's like you, you probably say the same thing as me. When you come back from a bike ride, that sort of feeling of, oh yeah, I've kind of, I smashed that. I'm absolutely knackered. I've smashed it. I can go and get in the bath now. And then it's just chill time. And it's like the best thing you can just proper relax your mind then. Cause you've done the hard work for the day. That's why I always think, you know, sometimes, um, in, I mean, like if you struggle with motivation, I always think sometimes if I could just talk, I can't be bothered or it's dark or I've had a long day and I'm like, no, because I remember and I know what I'll feel like afterwards. Exactly that. Yeah. You've yeah. got, got to force yourself sometimes. Like, yeah. Sometimes where you don't want to go. And you just feel path. so much better. You're like your legs are or something. You get on the bike and you think, oh, mate, this is going to be awful because my legs are killing me. There's no mm. chance I can do anything. But within 10 minutes, you're warmed up and you're good to go again. And then afterwards, like you say, you'll feel a million times better just in your body. Your body will thank you for it. But your head is, that's a, like for me, that's the biggest part. Mm. You know, on, on the head side of things, I just want to pick up on something that you said, you know, earlier on about the fact that you have all these coaches, but there's not still not much of an emphasis on emphasis on psychology. You know, we're talking about how cycling, you know, you're going to do something physical, but it completely changes your mindset. Why do you think that still is? I think there's um, I think there's still a massive sort of taboo and stigma around it. I really do, especially in football. I think there's. There's so many clubs that haven't got psychologists, and I think it's for a reason because they're afraid of. Um, I, like I think with footballers, they're they're a bit like like take like an onion, for example. You need to be able to peel back the layers a little bit, but then also you've got to remember they've got a game on Saturday, so you've got to put it back together again. So they don't want to go prying too deep, opening it all up, and then they've got a game on Saturday and they can't play that game Saturday because their head's not right. Do you know what I mean? And I think that is genuinely the taboo. And a lot of footballers have got a big ego. They really have got a big ego. Like if you ask the majority of footballers, how, what's your headspace like? And they'll say, brilliant, absolutely fine. And you're thinking, no, well, it's not. Nobody's absolutely brilliant and nobody's absolutely fine. You do always need to try and like talk about stuff and figure out why you're having these thoughts or that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I think it's just a, it's just too much of a sort of um, macho sport at the minute. And it, people, it's getting better, don't get me wrong. It is getting massively better. And there's a lot of players I know will talk to people that have got their own sports psychologists, psychologists and stuff like that. But it's still a big problem. Is there any, has there been any point in your own life where you struggled to talk and open up oh, when I was younger I couldn't talk about anything like I was ridiculously bad like when uh, I think with men especially the emotion of it men are men are so bad at addressing their emotion you, they, they, they've got no emotional intelligence they don't know how to deal with stuff they fly mm -hmm. off the handle they'll chuck stuff all that kind of stuff and it's not until you get older you kind of learn to realize that yeah that was kind of driving it because I think they've got men have a lot more sort of adrenaline obviously but they are quicker to fly off the handle. And it's, that, it's just that emotional intelligence. You don't learn it until you get older. So you can't expect miracles from these young lads where you've got so much stress and pressure and expectation being placed on them that you're going to see them do silly things sometimes. We've seen it in the media recently with some of the England players, all that kind of stuff. But 
there's a lot of stress and, and pressure that's placed on them and they don't know how to sort of channel it in the right way because they haven't been taught to. Do you think then we should look beyond maybe their behaviour and think why are they behaving like that or, you know, talking about... It's just about... a conversation. It's the same yeah. as what everybody else has been saying. It's a you, People need to start having conversations with these people and really sort of talking to them on a sort of on a on a level basically and go right, right what's going on sort of thing and and but it's hard to if somebody doesn't want to talk then mm. you, you're not going to make them talk it's as simple as that do you know what I mean so it's something that does come with age and experience and that's a shame and until until you get the younger players doing it freely I don't see it changing anytime soon. How did you overcome it? I know you've mentioned age and experience, but is there anything you can think of that? helped you shift that mindset where you felt comfortable to talk yeah well I like I say I mentioned the sports psychologist earlier um mm. his name was Keith Mincher he is honestly brilliant he's an absolute loon bag but he's wicked honestly what a guy. <laughs> um he just he just gets it he understands it and like you some of the I was telling him some of the thoughts that would come into my get into my head during games or when I'm out and like like I remember when I was younger I used to get this real anxiety about like I'd know somebody, yeah. I remember sometimes there was, there was sometimes where I'd know somebody and I would be chatting freely with them stuff, and then I'd walk away or whatever, and something would pop into my head and it would make me feel anxious, and I literally couldn't talk to that person that I've just had a conversation with. You know what I mean? It's within a few split seconds, and I was thinking, what the heck is going on? Like, why is this? Why is it like? Why is my head dominating everything now? And like, I can't even like, open my mouth. I literally couldn't open my mouth. Do you know what I mean? It was like yeah. nervous, crazy nerves. And, and and he he just talks you through it, and he he he, he makes you understand why these things happen to you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, he also get he also one of the best pieces of advice was to just everybody's the same. Like he literally used to just say everybody's the same. You know, everybody's the same. Yeah, everybody has those thoughts. Yeah, everybody everybody has them thoughts. Yeah. It's just that other people are better at knowing what to do with them thoughts. And also as well though, my wife she was she did um, she was at uni when she was younger, and she did psychology. So she's like on me all the time anyway so she knows she can gauge when I walk through the door sort of how I'm feeling and that kind of thing and that's a good thing to have when I come home as well. Do you mind if I ask you and only if you feel comfortable sharing what were some of those thoughts because I think it's interesting we talk about thoughts but if we can actually it might help people by saying what they are because I think people would relate or some of the things that you used to come into your head were they like uh, yeah that you were thinking like were they criticisms were they self-doubt? Self-doubt it was just pure pure self Doubt, self, almost whoever I was talking to was above me. Like what? Oh my God, I'm not good enough. What do they think yeah. of me? What? Yeah, what that kind of thing. Do they think I'm a dickhead? Do they think? Yeah. Will they go and tell their friend about me? Will they go and tell these about me? And like I say, the best part about getting older is you learn to not care, not care about anything. And if you can do that from an early age, oh God, you would smash it. Honestly, you would smash it so hard if you could learn to just make people take you as you are, not put a show on, not um mm. yeah, it's, it's well hard to explain like 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 my, my lips used to like get nervous and like twitch yeah and I almost thought then they could see my lips like twitching and then they could see that I was getting nervous and then it was like and then I would just clam up and it was like a horrible situation <laughs> and then you get to the point where you think I don't want to go and see anyone else because I don't want that horrible situation mm. to happen again and then you start to withdraw and then you're in a whole spiral of crap and it's yeah. horrible it's a horrible feeling to the point where sometimes you'll think i don't want to leave the house i do not want to go to out the house i don't want to go to the supermarket i don't want to go pick the kids up from school because i'm gonna to have to see parents mm -hmm. and i think for footballers as well it's especially difficult because if you're a footballer people are going to want to talk to you do yeah, you know you what i mean show, you? Yeah, they, they want and you you have to strap on your footballer 
head. You have to put it, or you do, you have to do it at times. I do it myself where I'll go to pick the kids up and I know a dad's going to come over to me to say, great result the other night or oh, bad result or what happened with that mistake? Do you know what I mean? And I think when I was younger, if somebody said to me, what happened with that mistake? I would literally just go, Ugh, back would go up and it would be like, what you want about? And it was confrontational. Instead of, they, what you're going to need to realise, they don't know how... But football fans don't see you as the person, do they? They see you yeah. as a footballer. So they just want to talk. And the only common ground they've got with you at that moment in time is football. So all they know to do is come and bring up football and talk to you. Your friends will, like, so eventually they would go away and your friend might be next to you and be going, what a noise. And you'd be like, yeah, but they don't know, do they? They don't know anything else to talk about and they just want to talk about football. So it is what it is. But there is that expectation that you're going to be able to just go, yeah, I know, yeah, it was a great result or blah, 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 that kind yeah, of stuff. Well, yeah, I just made that mistake. But I'm like, you know, oh, rather no. than, yeah. you know, it's like a per sometimes it's hard not to take things as a personal thing, right? Everybody makes mistakes. So that's what yeah. I have to say to some of the young lads, especially goalkeepers. If you make a mistake, you've got the rest of the game to get through where you're thinking, yeah, that was a bad mistake. Don't make that mistake again. Don't make, instead of just going, oh, that never happens. Like I would never have even made that mistake in training. So I know I'm a good goalie. So just carry on having a good time and enjoying the game. Yeah, rather than focusing on that mistake, because yeah. then that's like cyclical because it ends up making you, we talk about anxiety and then you make the mistake because you're so nervous about not making the mistake. Horrible, horrible, <laughs> yes. horrible. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you about uncertainty as well, because um, I run a mental health group and it seems to be the thing that's so common at the moment that's coming up um, is this whole like, you know, basically anxiety is about future, which is so uncertain right now. Um, and I remember Adam Lalana, who we spoke to on My Sporting Mind, said that football is so uncertain, but one of the things you can guarantee is disappointment. How do you deal with uncertainty and that disappointment? Um, again, so there's two questions there. Yeah, it's, uh, I know what you're saying. For me, um, I, I, I honestly win, lose, or draw on a Saturday afternoon. For me, I don't. It doesn't have a bearing on my um, my mood for the rest of that day, for the rest of that week. We could I, we've lost eight nil against Man City, and I've come out and said, "Wow, they're good. Like they're incredible." Like from my point of view, I just kept thinking, "Wow, they're going to score again. They're so good. Look at them." And I'm I'm on the coach home, smiling and stuff. I'm not I'm not. It's not unprofessional, but it's done. The, the damage is done. The game's gone. There's no point in lingering on the game. You know what I mean? The, the time to worry about the game is in the game. That's the only time when you can affect something. So once the game's finished, there's no point in trying to fly off the handle and say, look how much I care now. That's not the time to do it. It's, it's, mm. it's finished by then. So just concentrate on the rest of the day. Do you know what I mean? Don't waste your energy by letting a bad result affect. Like you know, I guarantee there's players that will go home and if they've had a bad game, the whole family's going to suffer for it. Yeah. You know? And and how bad is that? How horrible an environment must it be when you're the one dictating the the feeling in that environment? If you're coming home and you're happy, the house is happy. If you're the one coming home and you're not happy, the house is well, on their toes. And that that can't be right. That's that cannot be right. You have to try and stay on a level playing field all the time. You can't. So I say for goalkeepers, especially, you can't get too high and you can't get too low. There's no point. You have to try and stay there. Because you're never far away from a mistake. You're never far away from making another good, good save. So just stay on there and enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I've heard a few people say that and talking about trying to get more balance rather than that up and down all the time. And what about uncertainty? How do you deal with uncertainty? Um, but not knowing, especially, I suppose, you know, for you in your career, you know, it's like one minute, you know, who you're playing for. Are you going to get picked? Are you going to move to a different team? There must be a lot of uncertainty. 
I think I'm fairly laid back anyway, so I'm never I'm never really too kind of worried about um, what might happen. Again, it's it's one of those ones where you can if you can control the controllables, and that's all you can do, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Just do the stuff that you are able to like affect or change or anything like that, then that's where you need to be focusing your energy. And if it's out of your hands, then there's not a lot you're going to do about it either way. So just sort of, just try and forget. It's hard. It's so easy to say, just forget about it because I've been there and done that. And I've been in that stressful situation and literally it's the only thing you can think of. Um, but it's just about, you just need to learn the skills to be able to deal with this kind of stuff. So talking to somebody, like I said, the sports psychologist I speak to, world class honestly they it's not just for football it was for life it's a life skill and if people can learn these life skills it will hold you in much better stead with every different element of your life relationships work you know what i mean Absolutely. friends all that kind yeah. of stuff yeah my, i think my biggest thing would be definitely speak to somebody and also my favorite phrase is the control the controllables i use it all the time all the time about trying to look at what i can control yeah, my well, wife. And panic because, like, because I like that control, so I have control, to look at yeah. what I can control. My wife, if we're going shopping, she'll go, "Where are we parking?" And we've just left the house, right? <laughs> I'll go, "What do you mean, where are we parking?" Go, well, where are you going to park? And I'll go, well, "I don't know. We'll find somewhere." And she'll go, "Yeah, but why don't you park there?" Because last time we got a space there. And I'm going, "Hey, it doesn't matter where we park. We'll find the parking space. Have we ever been to town? Couldn't find a parking space and ended up coming home because we couldn't park." <laughs> And she went, no, and I went, exactly. So don't worry, it's fine. I, will, I guarantee you we'll find a parking space. It's fine. Um, but some people are a bit more like that. They, they, some say it's like highly strong or whatever it is, but they, some people just need to know a con concrete path of what's mm. happening, a timeline. My son's a little bit like that, actually. He takes after his mum a little bit. He likes to know where we're going, what time we'll be there, how long we'll be there for, who's going to be there. Do you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And I'm trying to ease him away from it as much as he can to just it's, it's good to know and have a have a brief of what might happen but you can't always control everything one of the things they teach in psychology is exactly what you did to your wife or what you do to your wife is say oh when have we ever not been able to yeah. to remind the scenarios of that thing you're trying to control that actually so many times in the past you've got to remind your brain that you've always been able to park i know that's the example but you can apply that to so many things and that's one of the main things they teaching like repatterning your brain for control um final question then what advice would you give to anyone struggling i know you've given so much advice during it but is there anything that you haven't touched upon so far and what you would advise anybody that's having a tough time right now or struggling with mental health i think um like we just touched on there i think it will be all right i think that's the main thing like the the main point of that is everything normally is always all right you'll get through it eventually it will mm. be all right things do turn um but just talk to somebody simple as that talk to somebody and just try and be comfortable with who you are don't need to show off or try and be something you're not because you can only be you you can be the best you that's all it is you only you can be you simple as that so just enjoy yourself enjoy being in your own skin and that's it thank you so much thanks so much it's been so great speaking to you um come on what's your youtube channel the Cycling GK, Charlie Webster, <laughs> you are an absolute... Ben Foster, the Cycling GK, is literally the most light-hearted, have a laugh, football behind the scenes, bit of cycling. Um, it's nice, it's a good one. I wanted to get that. I did have a little nosy before um, we started recording tonight. It looks good. I've got it on my phone now. <laughs> um, thanks so much. I can't wait to in a couple of years time see your cycling career <laughs> yeah, i'll be there i'll be doing all that kind of stuff i promise you i'll be doing everything all the kind of any cycling event going on i'll be there doing it guaranteed
I'll meet you in a couple of years and we'll go and do that one in America. What is it called again? Honestly, it looks ledge, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much again. Massively, massively appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed listening. Um, Shout out to Sporting Mind Charity as well. And please remember that there are charities you can reach out to, such as mine and Samaritans, or text shout 85258. However you're listening today, we'd be grateful for a, a review. And if you can share on your channels, please do. And go and check out Ben's YouTube. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Speak soon.